Sometimes you can't make it on your own. U2's hit single from 2004. This song means so much, we're ready to tap into it. Uh, we've got a great guest lined up from Spirit Music Group, Mr. Clay Hatton. This is going to be fun. Buckle up, stay tuned, we're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Song and Verse Podcast. I am your host, Rockin' Odd Todd, and we are so happy that you've decided to join us today. U2 uh, is one of those bands that I have loved for a long time. I think when I was in middle school, the Joshua Tree came out about that that time, and you know MTV was flooded with those three major songs. Uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for. The Streets Have No Name, and With or Without You. Those guys are phenomenal musicians that have figured out a way to you know navigate the the storms of music, so to speak. They found a way to be relevant even in a time when maybe uh, their music you know, wouldn't have fit. They found a way to make it work. And they're just really, really awesome to, to, to see how not only have they attached to their faith and kept it, but figured out a way to use it um, in a mainstream platform to be an inspiration to others. That's really kind of what we're going to be looking at today. And I've got Clay Hatton from Spirit Music Group to help me along today. Uh, Clay is a good friend, and he's actually on his way up in the music world as well. Not only is he a musician, but he's actually working his way up through the songwriting industry as well and finding a way to work not only with copyright, but also with some of these songwriters. And with that, we welcome Clay Hatton, our guest for this episode from Spirit Music Group. How's it going, Clay? It's doing great. How are you, Todd? Oh, I'm great, man. I'm great. So you and I go back a little bit, but um, you've, you've been in this position now with Spirit Music Group for almost a year. So tell us a little bit more about what you do there. Yeah. Uh, so basically right now uh, I'm an admin assistant at uh, the company. Uh, there's about eight of us that work there uh, full time. And then we have about uh, 20 to 22 uh, songwriters as part of our publishing company. So songwriter moves to Nashville. At least in country music, that seems to be the case. A lot of songwriters tend to move to Nashville. They play in writer's rounds. So what a writer's round is, is you know, they have uh, little uh, bars across Nashville. There'll be three or four writers, um, and they'll play some of their original songs. And then co-write with a lot of writers in Nashville. And then over time, you start to build your reputation as a writer. And so a lot of these publishers will go to these writer's rounds to kind of scout different songwriters. Um, and then... Over time, they'll build a, build a relationship with the writers, and then uh, that's how songwriters get a contract. So basically what I do on a day-to-day -day basis um, is new songs come in, and I enter, like, here are the, here are the three or four writers that uh, contributed to the song, and it, it depends on what genre of music that it's in, but in country music, uh, most of the time, uh, royalties are split evenly. So if there's two writers, uh, one writer's getting 50%, another writer's getting 50%. And then in a lot of, in most cases, publishers usually get half of that. So I'm in charge of just making sure that all of our data is entered correctly, uh, making sure that writers are getting, I'm a part of one massive chain of making sure that writers get paid correctly and by the right people. So that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. A lot of data entry 
Um, and ultimately, what a publishing company is, is uh, just developing relationships with the people that you work with. So as a part of this quarantine and me working from home for the last three months, it's been tough uh, because I don't get to see the people that I work with, the riders, you know, they don't come into our buildings. So it's a little, been a little bit difficult, um, but it's still a great job and I love the people I work with. That's great, man. So, so you know, I was kind of looking over the website a little bit and there's some pretty big songs, pretty top name songs that your, your sure. company's worked with. So it's not like yeah. it's a small yeah, yeah. group, you know, you, you don't hear about some of these copywriters companies and stuff like that you know you know spirit music group like where would we where would we see that label or that that title listed in in like a, a, a an album or something where would you see it yeah so it's different so there's there's record label side of the music business mm-hmm. and then you have the publishing company side of the music business um so the publishers represent the songwriters behind the songs the record companies represent the artists that ultimately record the songs right you know usually on the back of cds um and a lot of times you'll see in parentheses and kind of like the smaller print it'll be like here are three names and usually those three or four names are the songwriters to the song mm-hmm. um or if you look up lyrics on google or something like that and you're like i want to know the writers to this song even on spotify now which is super cool spotify and apple music um you can look up the songwriters to a song oh. um in case you're in case you're curious um yeah. you know well well, and, and, and that happens quite a bit in Nashville, too. I, I think a lot of people don't quite get it. And, you know, um, growing up, a lot of the bands I listened to, they wrote their own music, you know, their right, own songs right, and right. stuff. And, and I, I think a lot of people may not recognize in country music or, you know, in Nashville in general, there's a lot of people writing songs and, and then people performing those songs. Yeah, 100%. And so there's a lot of artists that don't write their own stuff. Somebody else writes it for them. Yeah, definitely. And and in today's world, because, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, illegal uh, downloading was a big issue within the music business. And that's how a lot of money was being lost. And so, um, unfortunately, that's been able to get cleaned up in a lot of ways. You know, Spotify and Pandora and, you know, Apple Music have been definitely been contributors to that um, because they've provided, provided legal ways of streaming music whether you want to pay for a premium access where you don't have advertisements or you just want to, you know, pay with the advertise or get it for free uh, with advertisements. But all that being said, songwriters don't get paid very much at all from streaming services and whatnot, which has definitely been a battle over the last few years mm-hmm. um, between publishers and some of these uh, streaming platforms. And so, yeah, that's kind of uh, just a really interesting, it's a really interesting business. Uh, all that being said, yeah, um, definitely. Well, and and one of those bands like like I was talking about um, is you too that you know have have written their own music forever, and you know I think Bono writes a lot of their lyrics, and but I think they all come together and, and write the music together, and that really kind of leads us into the song for this episode, uh, which is sometimes you can't make it on your own, and so you know we could start the conversation off there a little bit, you know. Um, you you were the one that really kind of wanted to talk about this, so I want to hear what that song really means to you, and then we can kind of go from there. Well, so growing up as a kid, uh, I always have like a vivid memory of uh, VH1 Top 20 Countdown, which was a big deal about 10 years ago, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, <laughs> where there'd be music videos of the top 20, you know, top 20 songs at the time. And um, I always have this vivid memory of seeing the Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your your Own music video where Bono is just walking down the street 
and then all of a sudden he he walks into this venue and the rest of the band's there and they're performing the rest of the song and it's this really cool i don't know contrast in the song it's like the first half of this of the song is very mellow and uh the verse there's a really interesting contrast between the verse and the chorus especially and yeah so it's just it's always been a really interesting song to me both from a production standpoint, from a sound standpoint, to um, how it speaks to me kind of on a spiritual level. I mean, I think the lyrics, sometimes you can't make it on your own, just are so, are so universal, mm-hmm. um, whether that's spiritually or just, you know, I need somebody in my life to um, help me get through it, you know, and in the hard times and the, and the good times. And that song has always just stuck out to me over the years. And it's one that I think will continue to stick out to me as I grow older, too. Well, and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, to, to hear you speak from your side of it, you know, you, you're listening also at the production value and all those good things yeah. that, that are in there as well, in, which, you know, the average listener may not may not hear that when they when they listen. But you you too, you know, those guys have been around forever. I, I can't even remember. It was, what, 1976 was when they first kind of formed together as the band Feedback. I think they also took the name The Hype before they actually ended up becoming U2. But those dudes have been together since before I was born. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't really grow up on on YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't. It's it's literally this this one song and a couple others. I guess like Vertigo was obviously a huge hit back in the day. Yeah. Um, but this song, it's like I don't know. I I I just didn't listen to a lot of YouTube. My dad played a lot of like Buddy Holly yeah. growing up, and uh, you know, a few Beatles songs and stuff like that. But um. Yeah, this song. I think it's just because I, you know, VH1 Countdown kind of. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that, that I mean, that that's really cool. You know, because I mean, U2 was still was still big then and still are big, but but the Joshua Tree really kind of put them on the map. Yeah. Um, that was the nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty six album. I, I'm not exactly sure on my dates, but that's when I was watching MTV and VH1, and those are the yeah. videos that I remember. I remember. I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And they played that, mm. you know, they played that video so much that it's like, I probably got the whole thing memorized if I really, you yeah. know, went back and looked at it. And, and it's just interesting to me because you two is one of those bands that like you were saying, the narrative, the narrative can touch all facets of your life, not just Absolutely. in this song in particular, he was writing about his, his father and his father, I think he had been just been diagnosed with cancer. And I guess he had always seen his dad as one of these these strong men that, you know, never wanted anybody's help or was never really, you know, a part of the picture. I, I don't want to speak too, you know, too much about the story. I don't know it completely, but it sounds like the song was written about, hey, you know, dad, it's time to time to maybe ask for some help, you know, yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. And but but there's also this underlying notion there of, you know, as a Christian we try to do so much without the help of the Holy Spirit or, or without, you know, yeah. prayer or, yeah. or even without reading scripture. And it, it touches right on that as well as, you know, sometimes you just need to pick up your Bible and ask for some help, you know, or, yeah. or, or get on your knees and pray about, um, you know, whatever it is you're going through. You know, you, you were, you were talking a little bit about Bono and, and um, you know, the, the one, quote that that really kind of stuck out to me was was his words where he says but with christ we have access in a one-to-one relationship for as in the old testament it was more one of worship and awe, a vertical relationship 
The New Testament, on the other hand, we look across at a Jesus who looks familiar, horizontal. The combination is what makes the cross. And I'm like, for me, that's what this is all about. This is this is taking the the religious aspect out of this and really looking at the relationship between us and our creator and and yeah. you know, and in him sending his son. So and and I, I know Bono's been pretty inspirational for you as well. So I wanted to kind of hear, you know, what what the things that he's done, you know, mean to you as well. Totally. Um, yeah, I, again, I think you two has been one of the most um, hot, in my opinion, I think they're one of the most positively uh, activist groups probably within the last 30 years. You know, he, I was watching an interview the other day um, as I was trying to prepare for this and uh, I, I, there was this really good quote um, and I have it written uh on this computer here and it said um he says we don't have to please god in any other way really than to be brutally honest um mm. that is the root not just to a relationship with god but it's the root to a great song and i thought that was just like profound i was like you know again it goes back to the fact that like humans are so stubborn in our imperfections that we we just don't want to ask for help sometimes and i think that quote really just stuck out to me because it's like it goes back to the song like sometimes you just can't make it on your own and if that's not being brutally honest, I don't know what it is because I think we all just sometimes we need somebody else and it takes us swallowing our own pride to just say we're not strong enough to take care of this ourselves. Uh, we need somebody else. We need the Lord. We need, you know, prayer, other people to lift us up, really. Sure. And, and you know, it, you and I, our, our relationship, it, it, it's kind of it's funny. We, you know, we really, you know, have only – known each other for a couple of years and it's really only in a couple of weeks time because yeah. of the camp that we work with. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, your, your father was an inspirational part of my life and your mother. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I can't imagine what life would have been like without Bruce as a counselor at camp, you know? Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. <laughs> it's funny because it, it completely ties into what this song is all about in the fact that I consider those people, and that that I went to church camp with, you know, annually for one week out of the year. Yeah, I consider those people to be some of the strongest parts of my faith and my walk with Christ. You know, absolutely. And and they came from rural towns, uh, metropolitan areas. They came from everywhere. You know, yeah. Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky. By the way, this is my Irish shirt for you. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. I was I really I really figured you probably had something Kentucky on. And I was I was gonna make a joke about it, but well, I'll hold you know, it back. I'll hold it back. Hey, well, it's the Irish for you too, though, at least, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair. So anyway, you know, when when it comes to people that you can lean on, when you share faith, it's it's so much easier. And I always think about camp when it comes to life because if we could just live like we do at camp for oh one you know on a daily basis like we do there holy yeah. mackerel what would life look like you know oh my gosh you know I, I think the same family that I'm talking about is one you were raised with and, and what's so cool about this is you know your career is going straight into this music world and 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 your dad was a huge part of music for me as far as picking up a guitar and starting to pick and grin a little bit you know, your your grandmother even was a huge part of music. And so I want to hear yeah. a little bit about the history of the Hattons. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, what, what that means to you and your career and everything that you're doing now. Yeah, no, I, that's a great question. I think it all started with 
my grandmother's, I think it was her grandfather, was actually a professor of music at Northwestern uh, up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then family came down to Southern Indiana. And then my grandmother's father uh, was the preacher at, at the church I attend now. So the church is over 200 years old now. And um, so my grandmother grew up going there. And I think by the age of five, she, she was already playing piano. And then, you know, she passed away a couple of years ago, but she played piano for over 80 years, which is just incredible. And, and she, she was, was a member of a, a band up there too, correct? Yeah, 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 I believe so. So we had, after my dad was born, my parents got married. Uh, they had a gospel crew called the, uh, the Presby's. Mm. And so they still perform every now and then at our uh, church between Christmas and uh, during, I think during the spring. So usually like two or three times a year, they'll, they'll have about four songs that they'll perform at our uh, little church of about 90 people um, in Vincennes, Indiana. But yeah, so my grandmother was, she would play piano uh, for the group and uh, my uncle would play the banjo. My dad would play the guitar. They had a bassist. So really um, my grandmother was, was kind of the catalyst for instilling music within our family. My uncle plays the banjo, guitar. My dad plays guitar. I play guitar. We just have a lot of musical. My sister sings, I sing. We, you know, we all sing, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, ultimately that was kind of the first uh, introduction to music in my life. You know, I grew up uh, taking piano lessons, I think, starting at the age of six. And, you know, I, I think I stopped at about fourth or fifth grade. But, yeah, that was really the kind of the beginning of my musical journey. And then, like you said, our, our faith family, a lot of it comes from um, Camp Paioca. And uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, one of my counselors actually had a Dave Barnes song who's a singer-songwriter here in Nashville, one of my favorites. I remember we were all in the cabin, and he played this song called Carry Me Through, which is actually a very, um, just a, a prayer, essentially, of, you know, asking God to carry you through the hard times. And uh, I just remember being like, who is this? Because I, lo I love the song. And that was really just another uh, moment in time where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I love this music. And, like, I'd never heard of a singer-songwriter like that before. I was like, the voice is great. Like, I love the sound of this. And I was like, how do I, like, how do I get into this? Like, this is what I want to be someday or what I want to be involved with. And so, and, and this counselor um, had played guitar at campfires and all that. And I, I was like, oh, that's a Taylor guitar. Like, I got to have that guitar. <laughs> so um, after uh, freshman year, my parents got me a Taylor guitar for Christmas. And that was the first guitar I uh, got. And that's the, first, that's the only guitar. I have and that wow. that you know that guitar has carried a lot of songs that I've that I've written in college and in high school and even now which is pretty crazy to see how you know things have transpired over the last 10 years of my life and how God's been such a leader in all of that and how he's placed certain people in my life he's placed certain events and you know ultimately he's brought me down to Music City which is mm -hmm. crazy and so I think all that being said really kind of what my purpose and mission is and just you know working in the music business now it's just because it's been such a part of our my family's life that it's almost an honorable thing to be able to work in music. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, someday when I have kids, hopefully, I'll be able to instill kind of my love for music and my family's love for music into them, and they'll be able to pass it down. But yeah, that's kind of a, I guess, a long story short synopsis of kind of how my musical journey began and where it is now. It's crazy. And, and uh, that was the Lincolns you were talking about, correct? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jas Jasper and Lincoln Smith. Yeah. Jasper was a counselor oh, Smith, of mine. Smith, yeah. I, Jasper and Lincoln yes. Smith. Right. Um, they were, they were both just wonderful, wonderful counselors and 
wonderful people. Um, and those and guys, now they're, now they're those guys are in Nashville too, right? They're in Nashville too. Yeah, Jasper Jasper has actually uh, joined uh, Straight No Chaser, the acapella group, and he's now obviously now it's kind of been on pause for a little bit just with uh, the virus. But yeah, they're they're going on tour once everything opens back up, which is which is super exciting, I think, for Jasper because he's he's just an incredible vocalist and somebody that I admire just a ton. That's awesome. Yeah, and 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 he all he comes from that that whole line of camp too. I mean, it's yeah, that's right. So crazy how many people God has orchestrated into our lives through that place. And, um, you know, it had been years since I'd been back there. And I think this would have been my fourth year back had we gone. And what's so crazy about that place is you can, you can spend years away, but when you go back there, the presence of the Lord is just alive and well crazy. in that place yeah. all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal to me. And, and, you know, Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 10 is what I really think kind of sums up the whole, uh, sometimes you can't make it on your own, uh, which, which basically reads, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom I am toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Right there, you know, it kind of in, entails both having friends and, you know, having the Lord and, and, and not spending so much time here on earth constantly worrying about you know, material possession and, and your status and everything else. But, you know, another place, I think a, f a few verses later, it talks about the uh, the strand of two is e easily broken, but the strand of three is much stronger, you know, meaning that if the Lord's relationship is in there, you know, two believers together have God in between them as well and how tight and how strong that bond is. And so to me, that that's really a lot of what this song's talking about is we need each other. And we were created that way. I, you know, there's, there's a couple other stories I think that um, can be, you know, referenced in the Bible that are very relatable to this song that I kind of thought of. And I, I think one of the first is just the prodigal son story, mm. um, you know, where he goes off and kind of squanders all of his wealth. Uh, and then he comes back and, you know, after he realizes kind of all the things he's kind of done to mess up, his father welcomes him with open arms. It's not... Yeah you know, stay away from our family, like, because you run, ran off, you're like, you're not allowed back in. First of all, I think that's just, just the perfect example of God's grace, mm -hmm. uh, in, in a parable. And then, um, it, I think it just shows that like that the son realized that he couldn't make it on his own. He was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And I've messed up and I haven't listened. And he goes back to kind of the place where he grew up. That's, that's, that's kind of a, you know, the story that I think is really fascinating to me, how that, how that kind of stood out to me with this song. And then another one is uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, where the Levite and the priest both walk by and those, those were supposed to be the people that were supposed to help the wounded man. Right. Um, and of all the people, it's the Good Samaritan that has this empathy where, you know, he walks over as soon as he sees him, he's like, let me help you. And I think, you know, I, I, I think that teaches this, this beautiful lesson of empathy and imagining like, if I were in your shoes, what would what would I want somebody else to do? I think in today's world, people are still searching for that the same empathy. You know, I think a lot, I think it's a lot of people struggle with with having empathy for one another. But I think the world would be a lot better 
uh, for it. Well, and, and, and you're right. I, I think what we're seeing uh, play out right now in, in the nation, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure this goes on in other nations too. I'm sure it's not just our, our unique problem, but, you know, if, if we could just find that unifying spirit in, all, in us all that we were created to actually be and, and walk that together instead of being so willing to tear each other apart, you know, I, I, I just feel like we'd be in a much better scenario. And, and I guess what really kind of bugs me sometimes is, you know, I've sat down with people that we, we wouldn't agree on much, but when we start to talk, we find that we agree on a lot more than we thought we did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you found that the, the same, you know, especially in a city like Nashville, where there's so many people, you, you probably come into contact yeah. with a lot of people. You know, I, I've kind of found that the more you talk and the more personable you are, the more you find out that, oh, I do like people. <laughs> yeah, I know, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's really easy to, you know, kind of distance yourself from obviously the people that, you know, don't agree with the same things that you agree with. But ultimately, uh, it's amazing what, what a conversation does uh, in person as compared to something that gets misconstrued online. And it's just unfortunate because like how much more peaceful would the world be and how, how would our perceptions change one another? Um, if the conversations we had, even though they are difficult, um, you know, made us stronger as a community and as a nation and as a world really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I definitely believe that's true. I, you know, and, and, you know, being down in down here in Florida, you know, it's not really a place that I ever really expected to live, to be quite honest, but, but it's quite a melting pot, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's pretty much little New York, <laughs> so to speak, right. you know, a lot of snowbirds and everything else come down this way. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, we really do have to kind of learn to live um, and get along a little differently because we're so you know, different culturally. And even the way they drive down, down here, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like combining New York city, Louisville, Kentucky, Atlanta, Georgia, and all those places. Yeah, where yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you drive through those areas and you know that, uh Oh, I buckle up and brace for impact right. in Atlanta and Nashville. Right. That's you know? right. Yeah, that's right. And, and you're getting all those different styles in one area right here. So it, yep. it's, it's interesting. The last point that I was really, really kind of wanting to talk a little bit about, and and I think you've you've had to do this in, in your lifetime and your career too, is really just looking at music as a vessel and you know a form of communication, and not necessarily looking at the genre or thinking about it only from the scope of one genre, which I was really right. bad about. I mean, I grew up as a metalhead, and every other piece of music it was like oh I don't want to listen to that you know yeah and the older I've gotten the more I've appreciated you know pretty much every form of music in some form or fashion I may not right. listen to it or in you know enjoy certain parts of it but I can appreciate it and I can see where those musicians are coming from and I know right. you have some bluegrass background in your in your family too so you know yeah. I'd like to hear what that means to you you know what different styles yeah. of music you yeah know. definitely um well, like I said, my uncle plays the banjo and my, my dad plays the bass and he'll play the guitar as well. Uh, but they're in a little bluegrass band and they play little festivals in our small towns and they'll play at nursing homes and whatnot. And really just, it, it's, bluegrass is such a communal uh, genre of music. I mean, any genre of music, music is communal, but I think the thing that sticks out to me about bluegrass is that it's just, 
it reminds me personally so much of home uh, just because of how lyrically, how natural it is and how, um, how they speak of family and how they speak of land and just the way that they imagine, you know, the world. And they, it's always, you know, I think the banjo itself is just such an interesting instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's always, almost a, perc- I, you know, a percussion and a string instrument. Sort yeah, of, and I, I don't think you can make a banjo sound too sad, you know, I bet yeah. like, you know, I, I think I, it's, that's the cool thing about some of these instruments is that like, you play a mandolin, you play a banjo, those, those instruments are supposed to make you happy, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just fascinating. I think that's the point of bluegrass is it's just a very settling and settle. Yeah. Settling genre, I guess would be a word to use. Um, and so that's always been, and not, now that I'm down in Nashville, it's like, I, I never hear the end of it. Right. It's yeah. like, <laughs> there's, there's obviously new country and that's kind of the prime, prime genre down here, but you still get you still get your bluegrass every now and then. Well, um, in, 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 in country now, I mean, to me, that's almost rock in some ways. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's st- still, you, there's still a country singer and some twang to it, but, but ever since Garth Brooks, there's been a lot more kiss and country than there used to be. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot more, I think there's a lot more drums, and, you know, I think the tempo's sped up. Um, right. So you, have, you kind of have your rock country, you have your, you have your pop country, which – you know, I think, I think there's good to all of that. I think there's some people who are like totally like anti-pop country or anti like, you know, certain types of country. But I'm like, at the end of the day, it goes back to your point, you know, like you don't have to, you don't have to love it. You don't have to listen to it all the time, but you do have to have an admiration for the creativity process behind it all. Yeah. It's like, what what makes you feel good? You know? Yeah, exactly. What's going to make you feel good is not always going to make, (laughs) <laughs> always going to be what makes me feel good when it comes to music wow. you know i never I, I've, I've probably listened to a handful of metal songs in my life <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 uh the hits crazy train yeah, and stuff like that yeah, right? That's right yeah that's right the stuff that you're forced to hear at sporting events <laughs> yeah my buddy my buddy was a was a big creed guy growing up and so he he always talks about some of these creed songs and i just like I just shake my head because I'm like, I can't believe you were such a Creed fan growing up. But again, that just goes back to the fact that I did not grow up on Creed. I grew up on Buddy Holly and yeah, you know, people, which, people which, like Jack which is, Johnson. Which is so cool though for for a guy your age to know even who those yeah. guys were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's I, you know, I I just have a vivid memory. And again, it goes, you know, my dad. Obviously, my dad is such a mentor for me, mm-hmm. um, and has been such a good counselor in life. But I just have like these memories of we moved into this house and he was painting the walls and he was listening to Buddy Holly. And that was my first memory of listening, of, of hearing Buddy Holly. And I was like, gosh, this guy's really great. And, you know, I, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, imagine the potential he could have had, Oh yeah. you know, down the line, you know? Um, and it, it just, you know, it's such a bummer because you, you think of people like that, that just could have had such a greater impact than they already had in the world. And, well, and, you know, and, and the audience wouldn't know this, but your dad would play Buddy Holly all the oh, time. Oh, that's right. You know, at campfires and that's stuff. That's right. Maybe and, we, maybe, uh, I got a video of him last year playing it. Maybe we could, uh, we could substitute our faces for like a minute. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, you know, not until I saw Gary Busey playing Buddy Holly in a movie <laughs> did I have any idea who this guy was. And then I'm like, holy mackerel, this is what Bruce has been doing all these years. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. He's been practicing the Buddy Holly imp- <laughs> impersonation. That's right. I think he would, 
you know how they have those uh those beetle bands that go around and kind of replicate the beetles oh yeah stuff like them i think my dad would do a good job of that but for buddy holly instead well, and, and there was this other guy by the name of Scott Hines that I don't think you ever got to meet, but he would be uh-huh. Elvis and your dad would be Buddy Holly. And the two of them <laughs> would go back and forth and it was it was just hilarious. So Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was great. It was great. So Well, man, I mean, this has been great. I it's been really good to, to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about this song and, and talk about what it means for, you know, just humanity in general, you know one of the things that really kind of bugs me sometimes about our faith and and about our walk is I've heard many Christians say that, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about, they will know we are Christians by our love and things like that. It's, it's like our, our love for one another as Christians. And it's like, no, it's our love for the world. It's our love for everybody. Right. And, and so, you know, I think that that that's a lot of what this song's pointing at too, is like, look, man, be there for your neighbor, be there for the person that, that be the good Samaritan in somebody's life. You know, if you see them struggling, yeah. be willing to step out on, on a, on a limb and help them out. And Christ didn't, didn't walk up to people and he was like, Hey, you got to believe in me and I'll help you out. You know? Yeah. No. And, right. Yeah. I mean, in most cases he provided before he even touched on anything else. He was, yeah. he healed them or whatever, you know, first, yeah. you know, so, you know, if, I, it, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I, I think that just speaks to just what the purpose of Christianity is anyways. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's it's about not, you know, come, coming up with this necessarily a prideful attitude of like, oh, look at me, I'm a Christian. Look at you, you're not. It's it's not like, I, I think it, I think there's a, a beauty in approaching um, somebody that may be a non-believer, being a good representation of Christianity just by asking you know, how can I help? Not, not necessarily a spiritual sense initially, but more just how can I help you advance in life? And then through our actions and through our words, slowly start to bring them to, to the Lord. And I'm so guilty of that. And like, I, you know, there's days where I just am not about it. And, you know, so many Christians are like that too. Um, You know, we have good days and bad days, but I think at the end of the day, as long as we're trying to set a good, good example, you know, with our actions, I think that's, and that's ultimately what people are drawn to when it comes to, you know, being a good Christian. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you touched on something really good there because for me, it's like, you know, look, I'm a Christian and that doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. That means I'm broken and I know it. Yeah. And, and there's a higher authority that, a, that created me. And when he did that, he also gave me access to salvation and a gift yeah. to know life and know life to its fullest that's what in a nutshell it means to me and if anything else when I love on everybody else I just want them to know what I know and yeah. not not be combative or, or smear it in somebody's face but say hey you know I feel like this is a better way that I've found and I want you to know about it so yeah and I, I you know to add I guess to add to kind of what we're both saying um, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about actually a couple of buddies of mine and uh, a week's worth of time over the phone for about an hour and we were just kind of talking about, you know, stuff that we were struggling with. And, you know, one of my buddies asked me, he's like, cause I, I'm such a, you know, I struggle a lot with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, whenever I slip up on one thing, I'm like, Oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm so unworthy. And I think that's part of, part of the reason why I've, I've struggled a lot in my faith recently is just because I, I don't, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can't do this perfectly. So, so why, 
Like I, I just can't, sometimes I'm just really bad at accepting grace from the Lord and from, from other people. It's like, Oh, I don't deserve this. So like I almost, you know, punish myself. And so, uh, but yeah, he was, he was asking me, he's like, you know, if, if, if you were to die today, this is kind of getting a little too personal, but he's like, if you were, if you were to die today, do you, do you think you would go to heaven or hell? And you know, my, my personal response was like, all I could think of was like the bad things I, you know, I've done. And it's interesting to me because I don't think that's what other people see you as. They see you as the good things that you've done. And I think most of the time, the good outweighs the bad. And to me, that was a, that was a really eye-opening experience is I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just such a pessimist when it comes to my life. And I'm such a perfectionist when it comes to my life that if I don't do something right, all the good that I've done just goes out the window and it's just me focusing on the bad. And so, yeah, I think that's just been one of the biggest struggles for me is just like, how do I not be a perfectionist and how do I accept, give grace to myself and give grace to others? Because I think, I think we're better at giving grace to others than we are giving it to ourselves a lot of times. Definitely, um, definitely. Which, which, which is unfortunate because I think that causes us to kind of see ourselves in a, a worse image and leads to depression and all these different struggles. And I, I think that's an unfortunate thing that's going on in the world right now, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, is just, you know, depression and all of that. But um, yeah, I thought that was just a really uh, interesting point that he had made. You know, he's like, just people, people view you so much better than you view yourself. And I think it's really important to carry that along with you as you as you go in go you know into the world try to be a better individual and you're right and and i think a good portion of growing in faith and staying in the word uh praying and surrounding yourself like this whole episode's really talked about with others a good portion of that leads you to see his grace and his mercy a, a little clearer because i mean that's really what it's about and and if we can't grasp that for our own selves and we're it's really tough for us to grasp it for everybody else as well you know right right so but man this has been great um i i i really hate to wrap it up but we got time constraints that's right <laughs> that's right right so this is uh rockin' todd signing off we want to thank uh clay hatton for his appearance on this show and clay we're going to be doing some more talking i i guarantee that that uh the further your career goes along, we're going to want to hear more from you. You take care, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, Todd. I really appreciate it. Great to see you. All right. Well, that, that concludes this episode of the Song and Verse podcast. We'll catch you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Hopefully, it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, Check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you tune in to the next episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through song.